Okay, Nina Barber, I'm so excited to have you on. So this is this has been a long time coming because you and I were introduced just at the beginning of when I feel that practice was just getting underway. Of course, I, I want you to describe yourself, but I'm going to describe my way that I perceive you and the th- stuff that you do. You're connected with some of the best Silicon Valley venture capital firms and also some of the best entrepreneurs, some of whom I know personally. And you uh, have an increasingly vast network, you and a number of people that are coaches or matchmakers inside of your business, Prismatic Co., are increasingly networked and able to find matches between coaches and and entrepreneurs that increasingly want them. Am I doing a good job so far? Yeah, totally. It's nice to see you, Nina. You're nailing it. Yeah, nice to see you too. Thanks so much for making this happen. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. So here's here's what I want to talk about. There's a lot of quite a few things that are on my list, but it seems to me like you're in the center of seeing a few things happen that very few people get an opportunity to see. Uh, coaching, you know, I mean, it's been around for a very long time in lots of different formats. Coaches mean everything from Ted Lasso these days all the way to, to a life coach, to, to an entrepreneur, executive coach, any number of things in between. And the, what the distinctions are is actually kind of unclear. But in, in this moment, it seems to me that Silicon Valley and startups and entrepreneurship and coaches are having a bit of a moment together. And you happen to be at the center of it. Uh, first of all, do you agree? Do you think that that's right? Or would you say it differently? Yeah, I love how you put it. They're having a moment. That definitely feels like what's happening. And I think that it really is coming from a lot of different places that I'm sure we can discuss. But there definitely is a rise in an interest in coaching and how it can help be a resource that can really take leadership skills and take businesses, not just to the next level, but really you can look at a business outcome and see its transformation through a coaching experience. And I think that that's sort of a new moment for coaching in the Valley when people are saying, wow, I can actually see and feel how coaching is going to impact my overall business, not just sort of my own sense of well-being and life, which is an incredible outcome already. But I think there is this moment that's happening where people are saying, wow, this is actually a business decision to hire a coach. And it's really something that's important. Um, And again, we can go into why maybe that's happening and, and what that looks like. But I think it's a little bit where maybe therapy was maybe a decade or two ago, where it was starting to become something where even if you had never gone to therapy, it was becoming something where more people were talking about it. It was becoming much more socially in the in the now to consider therapy or much more emotionally welcome to try something like that out. I think that's where coaching is now. And it's a really special place because there's a lot of potential and there's also a lot of responsibility that comes with that, right? Of making sure that it is a good investment for people and that it does become something that's worth people's time and energy. Right. And and you're and you are so you are based in California and more specifically you're based in the Silicon Valley ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're actually San Diego based as a company. Ninety percent of the people we work with are based in the Valley, and then we have about ten percent that are international. Got it. And so it, 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 I mean, this is happening. You know, some of some of the clients that I have personally, just as an executive coach, are in New York. Some of them are in Silicon Valley, uh, but I think I think where this is really happening is it's almost like like venture firms are having a realization, invest investors are realizing, wait, I need to optimize my likelihood of success or something. And and so 
but, but before this, let's back up actually, sorry, let's back up way back. And so walk me through your career history, how you come to found Prismatico, and uh, I mean, what drives you to do it? What is the business opportunity that you see? Just walk me through the process and how it gets you to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I, out of college, started a startup and I went to Stanford and it was something that everyone did there. Not everyone, but a lot of people, you know, my whole friend group by the time I hit senior year had dropped out to start companies. So it was a very common trope there. And I had dropped out my senior year, started my first startup. Um, we raised, you know, VC funds. We built out a team. We did all these things. And there were so many moments throughout it where, you know, I had heard best practices, you know, spend this time with your customers, do these things, right? That you just kind of, you want to do, you want to lean into, but they're hard and you don't. And then, mm. you know, you <laughs> find yourself kind of wishing you did when you have to clean it up a few months later and you've, you know, buried yourself in a hole. And I think a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs know that feeling well. I know you're chuckling over there, so I'm sure you've seen that pattern once or twice. <laughs> um, and so there's all these hard things. And, and my co-founder, who's a wonderful person, her and I also, you know, we're just dealing with the very normal dynamics of a co-founder relationship that can be very difficult, no matter how lovely both people are. And through that process, we'd kind of heard rumblings of like, go find a coach, right? Um, it wasn't something right. our investors were telling us, but it had been something, you know, I'd come across other people in similar positions. And we were young. We were first-time founders. We were both 21, right? It was really early in our careers. And I looked for a coach to help us with some acute problems we had and just had a lot of trouble wrapping my head around the coaching value prop, the coaching process, how to pick the right coach. It just was completely unclear to me, you know, what I was looking for and what was the right price to pay. And, you know, a $5,000 budget sounded crazy at that time, but it also, you know, I was like, but of course I would pay that to solve, you know, one of the biggest risk factors in the company, right? So, it was just all a little nebulous. We didn't end up hiring a coach. A few years later, we ended up shutting down that company, which was a really challenging time, you know, as any entrepreneur listening to this or that you know who's had to shut down a company knows, you know, it really causes you to look at your life and look at your skills and just look at everything through a different lens. And, and it's a really humbling, amazing experience. Um, and at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do next, but a few friends who I had met through the Teal Network and through a few different networks just sort of started reaching out of, hey, I'm a young founder or I've just left college to start this company and I just would love, I see your company just shut down and I had published a postmortem. And so, you know, I just started getting some questions of like, hey, can you share with me some best practices or lessons learned? So I just started organically doing that and found that it was just so much fun. I was really enjoying being able to help people again, just really realize like, hey, look, I'm an example. I didn't do that hard thing. Like, how can we clear the path for you and make sure that you sit down and like do those hard things, right? And it sort of organically became its own little mini coaching practice, just focused on young first-time founders. And one of my mentors from college College is named Matt Mashari, and he is a really popular coach. And uh, at the time, he had just written a book called The Great CEO Within that had gone totally viral throughout the valley. And it's an amazing book filled with lots of awesome tools, some his, some recycled, but just really packaged in a super easy to digest way that you can implement as a system for your company. And 
he was having just a mass overflow of people coming in wanting to be coached by him. And so he just said, let me, you know, he kind of put me through a few ringers and a few tests and then said, okay, I'm going to start sending people to you who aren't good fits for me. And at this point I had some coaching experience and with his help, I started to build out a practice, right? And it was a really fun time. And the whole time I just kept thinking to myself, wow, I just want to figure out how to bring more structure to the coaching space. It was so interesting to me that so few coaches seem to be thinking about coaching as a product. They were thinking about it more as, you know, I'm just changing an hour of my time, you know, to just be there for you, support you, which is very valuable. But obviously a lot of people are super curious to come to coaching for very specific outcomes. They want to know what it means to have a coach, to work with a coach. They really want that relationship to be defined in their mind mind more than I felt like it typically was. So that's sort of how I started my coaching practice. And then from there, when we had clients coming in that weren't a good fit for me, or once my plate was full and they weren't a good fit for Matt, we kind of started asking the same question again, who could we build up in our network so that we could hand off these potential clients in a way that feels really high integrity, gives them a great option, doesn't just turn them down. Because we heard again and again from clients, it took forever to find you. Or, you know, I've talked to so many coaches and this has been such a confusing process, which I had obviously resonated with earlier on. And so I started just vetting a few coaches in my network and again, started to try to develop a process for what does it mean to vet a coach? How do you know if a coach is going to deliver results? How do you match a coach based on personality, based on like, trust, credibility, all of these different pieces? What type of coach and what budget is appropriate at what stage? So we started just asking all these questions, trying to bring some structure to the space as we made recommendations to people. And then ultimately it just became so much fun. I became so obsessed with the matching piece of it and becoming like a, I like to think of myself, it's my Jewish mother side, you know, that old fashioned matchmaker. It really came out. And ultimately that ended up just taking on a life of its own. And as my husband says, it's just that I wanted to get as meta as I possibly could. Um, And so it was just so fun to me to get to see that, you know, for one client and one coach being matched, it just lit me up that in matching them, there was a whole life cycle between that that match that would benefit the entrepreneur, their team, their family, that would benefit the coach and their practice. And that just very quickly took over like my passion to work on. And then I ultimately also really loved the idea of being able to bring some standards and some structure to the coaching space and really have opinions on things and and understand what's best for companies and help sort of demystify a lot of those different pieces. So that was a few years ago now. And now we have this amazing, beautiful matchmaking service. And we work with hundreds of C CEOs mainly, as well as co-founding teams. So sometimes COOs, CTOs, CMOs to find their perfect coach, right? And then we just continue to vet what we consider to be some of the top coaches, executive coaches. And we really focus on executive focused coaches. So these are coaches who have worked with CEOs in particular many times before. And as you mentioned, you know, we have amazing partnerships with some really incredible venture groups. And that's a really fun way to get to lean in and support them and support their whole portfolios. So that's a little bit about us. That's where we are. But our just our dream vision is anyone that wants a coach, understands why they want to coach, what they're going to get out of coaching and they can find that perfect coach in no time. That's sort of our dream. And then on the flip side, that every coach that really has a vision for their practice is able to build that out. So that's kind of our our dream world and our dream vision. And we're really excited to be continuing in that direction. So it really sounds like you're, you know, what I find super compelling about this is it sounds like you're at the very beginning. You've done it and made an obviously clearly a really meaningful amount of progress. 
but also it's a really big vision. Absolutely. I also happen to know just from the, from being on the inside, it requires an enormous amount of work. Totally. It's a lifelong vision, that's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is opaque, the, yes. the, this world. Like, nobody understands it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, like we said, like, we're, we're having a moment. The reason we're talking is because uh, people are beginning to understand it. There's a lot of things I want to ask you just from this. Yeah. Do you really believe, like, there's, so first of all, there's Matt, there's his company, uh, excuse me, his, his book, The Great CEO Within, mm-hmm. right? Which, like like many people, I received as a PDF randomly yeah. from actually Justin Cam at the nice. time. And, uh, and so him and lots of other people were spreading it around saying, okay, like this is like a little bit like the gospel of how to be a CEO. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine the overflow and I can imagine the acceptance. On the other side, there's Jerry Colonna and Reboot mm-hmm. in New York. What other great, like, big moments have happened recently in coaching or great, like, like people that have, have really uh, created a new inflection point for acceptance in this space? Yeah, great question. Honestly, those are the two that come to mind. The only third piece that comes to mind is um, the Trillion Dollar Coach book that came out right. a couple of years ago, um, written by Eric Schmidt and some of Bill Campbell's clients. So it was all about the coach, Bill Campbell, who had just an epic legacy in the Valley. Um, and I think that, that that, I'm sure it comes to mind for you as well. When you think of just an incredible coach client relationship, you know, here he is, his clients after his death are writing a book about him and his principles and what they learned from him. I mean, to me, that's just an amazing story and an amazing way to think about the impact that a coach can have on people and on a culture. So I think those three things, the reboot sort of book and launch, um, and Jerry Kalana, moving around sharing his story, which is just an incredible one. Matt's book really going viral and the Trillion Dollar Coach coming out. I think that really did lead to some surround sound, certainly, of people asking themselves, well, should I be thinking about a coach, you know? <laughs> I love that expression, surround sound. You're totally right. And so uh, so you've seen a lot of coaches, a huge number of them at this point. Mm-hmm. So what is it to be a top coach? Not only in your network, maybe. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. that people are listening to this if they are coaches and they're like, how do I get into Nina's network? They don't have this voice, but they, they, you know, they, they're like, oh my God. And because these are not networks that, that people can just click on a website and join. Right. right? And that's actually right. the point. It right. seems it, you, you have to, you have to know, uh, you have to know, uh, be aware that it, it exists and then you have to, uh, be trusted enough. And so what does that mean to, to be a top coach in your eyes, having seen, and interviewed such a massive number of people and really vetted them for a set of people whose time, your time is really valuable. Their time is like even more valuable and you're trying to save them some. Yeah. What, what does it take to be that person? Yeah. Great question. So, I mean, I think that just for context, we have a whole team member who all she does is the vetting and reference checking piece and it's a full team involved process. So everyone on our team is involved in admitting a coach. So we take it so seriously and we know that it's such a privilege to get to look at these different coaches lives and their practices and what they want to bring and the types of clients they want to see. And we really think about it as who are the top coaches for our specific clientele, right? We typically get the same demographic coming through of a CEO or C-suite leader of a startup that is late seed to series D or so. And so for us, you know, 
a top coach is someone who consistently delivers the types of results that those companies need and are looking for, can consistently deliver those again and again, and are someone is someone that we can really know. And again, this this comes over time, right? This knowledge and understanding, but is someone that we really can look at and say, we understand like why someone in that demographic is going to just totally like, respect, and admire you, right? Like that is going to be something that we can absolutely help them see. And we can help them see that you are a credible person to invest in to get the results that they're looking for. So those are sort of the two big pieces. And again, we vet for that majority. The majority of that is through really intensive reference checks. So we do positive reference checks. We also do negative reference checks. So we require that a coach submit someone that has left or fired them as a coach. And again, that's not because everyone has that, right? Every great coach has that somewhere in their pipeline. And for us, that just helps us see who are they not a right fit for. And when we think about the coach, we really think about, especially if you're a coach listening to this and you're thinking about, you know, how do I um, stand out in sort of a amazing pool of coaches, we really think about polarization. So we think a lot about making sure that this coach knows who they're for and knows who they're not for. And we would much rather see someone who says, all right, the Series A CEO who is just on the verge of product market fit, they've just raised their Series A, they're dealing with a team who they are quickly outgrowing, but they like really need to get to this next stage. Their entire life is blowing up around them. They're not sleeping. They're not eating. They don't feel like themselves anymore. They feel like they're carrying everything. Like those are my people and I'm going to help get them from there to the point where they actually have a very professional executive team. They have their life, sort of their feet back underneath them and we're going to do it. Like, and I've done it and I'm going to do it again and I can take this person and get them there. Absolutely. We love someone that can actually end up having some polarization just like that, because that might mean that somebody else is going to look at them and say, absolutely not. They're not for me. But for that one CEO profile, they're going to be just such a terrific fit. And we can really help both of them make the most out of that relationship. So I would really lean into, um, where are you polarizing, right? Like who are you for and who are you not for, right? That's equally important to us. And you can be a top coach and be not for 90% of our clients. That doesn't matter to us. We want to make sure that you are so for the 10% that we can match you with and that we can help find you for. So we really think about that. You are just the person, the go-to person for this type of person or for these outcomes. And again, you have to us top means reliable results of getting people to these outcomes again and again. And you can be an amazing, amazing rising star coach in our mind, but not have that track record yet. Totally okay. We just will have to, you know, note that and disclose that to clients of, you know, we really think that there's a great deal with this coach because their pricing is a little bit lower. But just so you know, you know, the reason that it's lower is because they haven't yet done this with a hundred people, but they've done it with three people and you could be their fourth and you're going to get a great deal out of it. Right. So we, that's kind of how we think about it and how we think about how you demonstrate your value and and communicate that as a coach. Right. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder whether the Teal, the Teal fellowship, the Teal network Mm -hmm. had an effect on your thinking, uh, because I mean, I, I, you know, you really can't tell by people's voice ever, but I think, you know, I'm 41 it seems to me that you are younger than me. I'm super impressed with your career trajectory. I don't mm-hmm. mind. I don't mind telling you. I think it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. It, I think there's a lot of people that 
would look at and listen to your story and they'd be like, this person, you would, you would assume just by the story that, the, that, that you were someone who was my age or older and that had had, had decades to decades of some level of experience. And yet the Teal Fellowship, as I know, I was a mentor in it mm-hmm. for a long time. They're just like, they, they, they will literally take 18-year-old kids and they will be like, quit school and just start a billion-dollar business. And then, and then people amazingly do. <laughs> and so I wonder if it, it was a, a shift in some way in your mind or whether it was just like everyone at Stanford, as you said, was kind of like that, where you just decided that you could take on this like pretty meaningful challenge and just go for it and do it. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, my co-founder was a Teal Fellow. I was not. Um, as a company, you could only have one co-founder at that time as a fellow. Um, and the Teal Network was amazing in that they were super inclusive of co-founder pairs. And so they definitely brought me in for lots of it. But I would say that was sort of after the company had already been founded and we were starting out. So I'm not sure how much the Teal mentality baked in, but definitely it was baked into the culture at Stanford where, you know, you can drop out you can start a company. Age is just a number if you're really willing to work for it, which again, looking back now, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where I stand on that. Um, But at the time it was a very empowering flight for freedom. But also both of my parents are entrepreneurs. I've seen them start, you know, they always say I'm the oldest of four kids. And three months after my youngest, the youngest of us four was born, my dad quit his stable job, took all of our family savings and started the first company that he ever did. And so their risk tolerance is, I know, yeah, it's, it's their risk tolerance has always been just through the roof um, as a parent unit. And I would say that more than anything, probably baked in me and rubbed off in the sense that I've seen them thrive. I've seen them fail. And I know that everybody comes out okay. And so there was definitely this sense of like, okay, like if we lose it, we lose it. Like, you know, let's start it anyways. Right. Um, and I think that that I've been really lucky to have that type of mentality, um, around it. It, it, You talked about moments of crisis during the founding of your, and not the founding, but just sort of the operating process of running your company and eventually getting to the other end of it. Um, do you feel that that founders are all experiencing the same set of pains? I mean, you described just a moment ago someone going through the process of a Series A from going from a team that's like meh to an excellent operational mm-hmm. team. So that you do a little bit infer mm-hmm. that that is something that everyone needs to go through. I wonder if you feel that founders are mostly going through the same problems. Yeah, it's and, a great point. Or not. Yeah, it's a great point. It's actually something that um, I have on my mind's eye to do for the businesses to take just the, of course, anonymous data of all of the different outcomes that people come seeking in a coach. Um, In our process, we spend time up front doing what we call a clarity call, which is to really get an understanding of the business and the leader and all of the different sort of deficits in their leadership or their business and all the desires, right? Like, where do you want to go? 
And that audit really helps us define out a list of goals that we can then hand to the coach and say, all right, these are the most meaningful problems to work on with this client. And then, of course, the client, for them, it's very elucidating because you get a sense of what coaching can actually help bring you and where to stay focused with your coaching. And I would say that it's been in my mind's eye to take all of that data and compile it and say, okay, X percentage of companies at this stage in this role are working on these outcomes, but certainly there are patterns. So without having the actual data to back it up, but stay tuned and check out our website. If we, if we do post something like that, I'll let you know. Um, but there definitely are patterns. I would say they're much more, um, stage specific than they're just sort of across the board. Um, but within certain stages, certainly in the sort of, if you were to bucket a company as being pre-product market fit and then bucket of companies being scale stage, there's definitely the same set of problems um, for all of them. And for each, I can speak to how we think about, you know, when coaching is helpful and those stages, because that's sort of a digest of the problems that we see coming up and up again of like, this is where it actually is valuable. If you're having these problems, this is, this can be super valuable, but there definitely is sort of the same set of three things for each of those two buckets that we would, we would say for most people are going to be super high leverage for them to get a coach on. It's interesting. You talked about delivering results and how it was important for the coach to be able to deliver results. Mm -hmm. I was in a situation recently where was, I was with a client and they said something that was actually pretty foundational about a decision that they had already made. Mm. And that was a decision that I wasn't sure was right. Mm. And so in my mind, I thought... There's two modes for me to be in. There's more than two, but there's, mm -hmm. let's say that there are, there's, a, there's right. a fork in the road. And one side is I'm supposed to, and the, the outcome I, I think turned out quite good, but there's a fork in the road here. And one of them is, is to listen to the person's decision. Yep. And the second is to object mm -hmm. and to say, I don't think that this is right. Now, of mm -hmm. course, I mean, it, it could be this is Tingent on what the what the situation is, blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because you've used the phrase "deliver results." Mm -hmm. You put you seem to be putting it on the coach to get great results for the operator of the business. Mm -hmm. Am I hearing you right about that? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think about it as sort of a yes and. Um, so it's not a no for sure. You're you're hearing me right when I'm talking about results. It's not a, obviously, you you could never be responsible for the actions of an entire another person who is the leader, right, an operator, and in, in a technical case, also your client, right? So they're, they've hired you to help them. That said, I do think my opinion and our sort of opinion at Prismatico is that a lot of coaches sort of over-index on the support side and under-index on the challenge side. And we feel like the best coaching happens at the intersection of both, right? And not in a way that's you know, authentic, right? It has to be authentic to you. And so, you know, for me, my style with a client might be more to say, hey, let's actually dig into that a little bit more. I just noticed that there's some hesitation or, hey, that's a really big decision. I just hope we can, can we unpack that, right? It might not be as upfront and challenging, whereas your style or another coach's style might be genuinely to say like, you're an idiot. Like, I can't believe you made that decision. Like, right. So it's not to say like a coach needs to step out of their personal style or act in a way that is out of alignment. But I mm -hmm. do think that as an industry, 
coaching, if coaching wants to survive and thrive and really add the value that a lot of coaches dream of adding to the companies that they that they coach and the leaders that they coach, I do think that looking more at how does our time together really clear the path for this leader to lead the company where they want it to go as a really holding a really high standard for that, right? Like not just showing up like this is our hour. Let's make it feel good. Let's make it meaningful, but really showing up and saying, this is our hour, like clear the way, like what is holding this business back from the outcomes that it needs? And like how at the end of the hour, could you look back on this and say, this was the most valuable hour towards your number one company goal? Like, possible, right? Um, And again, that's not there giving advice. It's not consulting. It's just clearing the path for that leader to operate at their highest power. So I think it's what coaches already do in a lot of ways, but it's just being really intentional about it. That's sort of how I think about a coach's uh, connection to the results, if that makes sense. It it, it is. It's super interesting because I don't know if you follow like coach Twitter or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a world of its own. Specifically, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a world. Uh, but, or, or for that matter, coach clubhouse or whatever. So much of, actually, it, it's interesting, and maybe we can randomly talk about clubhouse perhaps because it's such a coaching wild west right now. But uh, on Twitter, so much of it leans in the direction of support coach. All of these posts are like, Accept your. I'm just making things up, but like, accept yourself. Remember, you are more than your company. Like all these right, other things right. that these. I don't. I mean, I again, like, like there are so many of them. I have, I have people in my mind because because this is a you know it's it's all content marketing, all this Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and but you're saying you're you're saying you're not objecting to it, but you are saying there needs to be more challenge than there currently is inside of those relationships. Uh, It sounds like that's what I'm hearing. And if so, how can you tell? Yeah, great question. So we do these chats every three months once a client has been placed that are called ROI check-ins. And what we're really looking at is how is this relationship going for you? And how is it going for the business, right? And of course, you could have the best coach in the world. And if you're not super coachable and open, you know, your business or, you know, you can be very unlucky too, but your business cannot reflect all that amazing coaching. But when we sit down on these ROI calls, we really do look at how is your business doing? And then also, how are you doing on these goals that you laid out? And then also, how do you feel about this relationship? Is it a relationship that just really feels both supportive and valuable to you, right? And what we learned early on is that there's a lot of coaches that feel supportive and feel good but that don't necessarily bring that edge with them where someone says this person is invaluable to my business and to my leadership and to my life. There's a lot of people who say, I feel, yeah, I feel better. Like I'm getting more sleep. I feel more in balance. I've delegated more. It's nice. You know, it's really nice. And, and then when you ask, okay, well, if you're not working with your coach six months from now, why would it be? Well, I might just outgrow them. I I don't, you know, or I like working with them, but you know, sometimes I get, I reschedule the calls because there's more burning things on the plate. You know, in our mind, we've seen coaching relationships where a client would rather cancel an investor meeting than miss their hour with their coach, right? Like they would do, they would do anything because they know that their coaching time leverages every other resource and is so valuable to them. 
Um, and it's it's like a sanity lifeline. It's so awesome, right? And it's not in a dependent way. It's in a very much like a, a leverage way, right? I know the leverage I'm getting from this and this is worth it to me, right? And so those are the types of relationships where, again, when going back to the top coaches, like you can have a great coaching relationship. It's beautiful to help someone like get their feet underneath them, learn to delegate more, you know, get a few of their leadership skills more in place. That's all amazing outcomes. And in some cases, that's the easiest and fastest way to get someone into the coaching world. But where we see people getting into those Bill Campbell style relationships where your clients are going to be writing books about you when you pass away, right? Like that is a whole nother ball game. And we just haven't seen that possible unless you're really being tied to I'm here to help you leverage everything for your business and like we're going to get at it right and again it doesn't need to come it it comes in the style of the coach every coach is different we have one coach that comes to mind who's just the nicest woman in the world like absolutely everyone just like melts when they're around her she's so kind and in that kindness she offers just radical support right like radical support and She's challenging people, but from a place of total kindness, total, I love you, I see you, you've got this, right? Um, And... And so her style isn't, it's, I'm not meaning it like it has to be a football coach challenger, but there definitely has to be an edge of high standards for the relationship and the results. Would you suggest that relationships get better or worse as a result of a coach having advisor shares in a company? That's a great question. And in full transparency, it's one that I haven't come to a conclusion on yet. I've seen success stories and failure stories on both sides, right? Um, and I think it where I'm landing now with total disclaimer that this might change um, is it really is, does seem to be dependent on the coach and does seem to be dependent on the client and their relationship. Um, in some scenarios where cash is tight for a client, a company, let's say it's earlier staged or it's yet to even begin, right? It hasn't fundraised at all yet. To get an amazing coach on board might be out of the question from a cost standpoint. And so to then be able to bring in an amazing coach and leverage them can be extremely worthwhile. And equity might be the only way that that is possible. Um, Or on the flip side, there's some coaches who are absolutely incredible and all they do is advisor equity because that's what's interesting to them, right? They have no reason to be, you know, making cash up front and they're more sort of like hands-on investor style um, coaches. And so again, to work with those coaches, equity might be required, right? So in those scenarios, if you have the right coach, the right relationship, you want to make it work and equity is the way to make it work, that's usually okay. We usually don't see any issues with that. I think where we get more issues is when a coach is charging equity and a retainer and they've sort of just recently started working with the client. It's not yet, even though it's vesting, right? Like it's a... Um, it's, it's not yet a relationship that has delivered a ton of value. It's a coach that says, okay, I'm going to come in. We're going to work together for a year. And, you know, at a year, I'm going to vest some shares. And then, you know, it'll be a long-term relationship. But I'm also charging a monthly retainer, right? Those t- 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 relationships, we haven't seen anyone crack yet, crack the code of those being really awesome. That doesn't mean they don't exist. If they exist, definitely shoot me an email and let me know what your experience has been. But um, we're definitely curious to learn more about that. I think it falls a little bit into the bucket for me of when a CEO coach starts to work with the entire executive team and is working with everyone one-on-one. There's just 
different interests involved now, right? And it takes the right coach and the right company to make that work, right? It, t- it's, it can be super valuable and it can be really meaningful and add to the mix of everything, but it can also be destructive of trust if not done and handled completely appropriately. So that's sort of, I think it falls into that same bucket in my head. Okay, Nina, the time has come to talk about money. <laughs> okay. Right. Everybody wants to know, I will tell you, I mean, I've talked to a lot of coaches by this point, mm-hmm. right? And I continue to for as long as I can, you know? And, and uh, I am staggered mm-hmm. by sometimes how little coaches work for. Yes. Right? And you know that. And I think that you know, but, but, but that's not the world that you're in. The world that you're in is in a world, and I, I'm, I know people from this world too, uh, where people, individuals come to mind Mm-hmm. that I'm familiar with who are just starting uh, but who are, let's say, operators mm-hmm. and who charge staggering <laughs> sums of money. And I will say, I'm not broke, mm-hmm. but staggering to me. <laughs> like, shocking. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so it's, I, I mean, I find this fascinating. If it, sometimes I feel as if this increases the likelihood of success, if it does, ideally. A coach increases the likelihood of success of the company at any given stage by 1%. Might as well charge them one per- equivalent over time of right. 1% of that entire round, mm-hmm. right? Like in terms of like the, the actual value of, of yeah. that stuff. I mean, you've got to give, give me some juicy or concrete examples of the absurd things that you have seen and also, like, I mean, I'm just, I'm fascinated by the gamut mm-hmm. that this runs. And I get why, but I'm curious what your take is on it after seeing effectively so many relationships started and so many transactions and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I totally hear you. It's so funny to see the range, right? You know, you have some coaches who are just absolutely crushing it, delivering insane results, charging you know, $500 a month for a company that absolutely is getting way more than, you know, 10x that in results from the coaching. And then you have people charging, you know, 5% of the company when a, it's for a big company, right? So it's, it's a huge range. Absolutely. It's one of our pieces of, again, demystifying things and bringing standards is really bringing some, some boundaries <laughs> that we feel are appropriate there. <laughs> um, and, um, and again, I mean, the cool thing about coaching from a cost standpoint, is that, like you said, you can really justify if a coach is really amazing and really adding value to the CEO, you can really justify some pretty incredible hourly rates or some pretty incredible retainers or pretty incredible pricing packages. And on the other side, have leaders that are absolutely satisfied with that investment and really would do it again and would recommend it to others. And I mean, that's a win for everyone, right? Where that line is, again, comes back down to how much value is that coach delivering, right? And where are they delivering it? And you mentioned sort of some operational coaches who don't have a lot of experience yet. You know, we see, again, pros and cons as with everything 
for someone having an operational background and coming into coaching. But one of the pros is they do have a lot of knowledge and oftentimes have a network that can be really valuable to a client. And depending on that client's setup, that client's team, that client's stage, right, sometimes that could be a really worthwhile investment right out of the gate to get a coach with that background. And in some cases, it's totally not worth the investment, and they should get the coach that is 10 out of 10 times helped someone with their specific outcomes get there again and again, and that's going to be a much more sound investment for them. So again, it's a little bit of thinking through as a client you know, or as a CEO or as a leader, what are your current resources? What is your current network like? Where are you in your company life cycle? What are the most valuable goals that if a coach actually helped you solve them or actually helped you leverage yourself and become a better leader to solve them? What type of impact would that have on your business at this stage? How would that look, right? And then you kind of have to back into what the right budget is for you. So I really am not a fan of just, okay, it's a series, you're a series A company, so your budget should be this, or you're a series B company, so, you know, we'll charge you this, right? Like that doesn't make sense in my mind because every company has just a totally different, essentially business equation for what's going to be a good investment for them in a coach. Um, And then I think on the flip side as a coach, once you know who you serve really, really well, understanding what those outcomes and values and you know, what all of that you bring is worth to that specific company and to that specific leader. I think that's how you have to back into your pricing. It can't just be, all right, well, I see people charging 10K a month, so I'm going to try to charge 10K a month. And it can't just be, I think most people are willing to pay $1,000 a month. And so therefore I'm going to charge $1,000 a month because the reality is, you know, people are going to be looking for the best person to fill their value need and they will be willing to pay the appropriate amount for that value need, you know, given the right context and the right coach. But I think that where people fall into a big trap is there are a lot of amazing coaches who are first and foremost, amazing salespeople. And that can be a real challenge, right? And so you feel like, oh my gosh, this coach is amazing and they're expensive. So they must be really good. And they've got all these logos and they're just, they seem really good. But then you actually, you know, we dig in and do their reference checks. And it's really that they're amazing at kind of charming people up front. And that's, that's a great skill set, but it doesn't have that back-end retention, right? It doesn't have the retention of, this is going to be a client who you're going to really help them through the life cycles of their leadership, right? Um, and so also really making sure that you're digging into reference checks. And certainly if you're a coach and this resonates with you of like, I'm not a great salesperson or I'm an okay salesperson, but like I don't like raising my prices. I don't like doing that kind of stuff. That's where we find a lot of our coaches, their sweet spot is. Like they love they love working with us because they just kind of get to outsource all of that. And we just say, hey, you know, we know that this is the value you can deliver. We stand by this. And like, we're going to show you every ROI check-in that this is the value that you're worth and that clients are happy with that. Um, I mean, one coach comes to mind who, when she started working with us, she had 25 clients and she was making 25K per month. She's amazing. Absolutely crazy results. And 
within six months, she's she was working with 10 clients making 40K a month. And so, and that was valuable. That was worth it. And every single client said like they would pay more if they needed to, to keep her. So that's kind of the way that we think about it is like, how does this feel to the client? How does this feel to the company results? How does this feel to the coach? And really finding that value sweet spot. So it's not a specific equation. It's it's all of it. Nina, I literally do not want to stop talking, I, but I, I have to soon. No, so I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, I'm going to be really tight. I, so, and, and this brings us to this whole thing of scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. You do this amazing thing on your website, which I'm so impressed by. To get on the phone, it costs $300. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just literally a credit card form. And and here's the thing, is these relationships, I, I laugh about it because I'm, I'm sorry, I'm Canadian. I can't help it. I always <laughs> undervalue myself. It's what I do, you know? And it's what we all do as a population. Yeah. And so uh, the, the, you do this amazing thing. There's so many people that are bad at sales that are coaches. Mm-hmm. And they undervalue themselves. The example that you gave is stellar. Here you're, you're front-loading. It's just one example of just like you're front-loading value. And also you're actually segmenting by definition for people that are going to waste your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just think that that's stellar. Thank you. I, it's... I don't even know how. Maybe how how did you come to begin to do that? Is it was it that simple? Yeah, it's I don't a need funny people story. waste my time. It's actually a very yeah. funny. I'll give you the two second version, but we didn't used to charge up front. Um, our business model works off of if there's a long term relationship set up with a coach, we get a instead of a upfront finders fee, which is how uh, similar businesses tend to work. We actually do a much smaller fee that's ongoing so that we're really held to creating long-term successful relationships. Again, those ROI check-ins are showing us this is a great coach relationship or this isn't. Like We stand by 100% the relationships that we match because we have all of these pieces. So we didn't used to charge upfront for executives. We thought, oh, we'll make it free. Everyone will use it. It'll be great. But what we found is that if we didn't charge a meaningful amount, so $300 was the lowest amount we could charge, where where CEOs would prioritize it on their calendars. If we right. made it free, people did not make time for it. They did not add it to their calendars. So we, we played with the number and we tried to start as low as we could. And then we bumped it up and up and up until we found the number where everyone retained and went through the full process because they were making time to meet with the coaches. They were only starting it when they were actually ready to, to actually get their questions answered and find their coach, right? It just, it worked out so much smoother. So that's why we charge executives. But if that's a limiting factor and you're so bought into finding a coach, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. We, we, we love helping you. We, <laughs> yeah, 500 emails coming exactly in uh, so this is um i have to tell you this has been a stellar from my perspective i just have i learned a ton i had a super good time chatting with you i like to cut these around 45 minutes uh maybe at some point in the future i'll ask you again i just think that i learned we're seeing we're really are seeing a moment you know this is uh, and I don't, I can't think of anyone, very few people that I know in this space that exist in this space that have more of a front row view into what is happening. And so I want to uh, say thank you again, Nina, for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited with this great moment for us to share in the responsibility of making it an amazing experience for everyone. So I really appreciate yeah, it's so you much me. work. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Julian. I really appreciate it.